0: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open with a, a a very familiar passage of Scripture, the verse of Scripture, and, uh, and then after a bit, I'll be referring to some verses out of Hebrews 11, and uh, y'all know, or many of you know, if you've been in church for a while, you know, what's Hebrews 11 known for? The faith chapter, right? Hebrews 11, the faith chapter, but... Uh, before we get to that, I just I want to quote from a, a very familiar passage of Scripture. Um, when Jesus had asked his disciples, we all know he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they gave all kinds of answers right. And uh, then he looks to them and he says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And who was it that spoke up? Peter, of course. And, uh, and, and Peter said, you're the Christ. The Son of a Living God. And Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. How many of you are glad for that revelation? God revealed to you who Jesus really is. And he's the Christ, the Son of a Living God. And Jesus said, upon this rock, upon this truth, right? Upon the truth of the identity of Jesus Christ and who he really is, Jesus said, I'm gonna build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail it, prevail against it. They'll not overcome it. Amen. And uh, and so, uh, the rock. How many know the rock we stand on is is our faith in the identity of Jesus Christ and who He really is, right? How many believe He's the chief cornerstone? And he's the foundation of the church. And uh, even though that the builders rejected Him, isn't it something? He came to His own, and His own rejected Him. They received Him not. They rejected Him. And uh, if you've ever been rejected, you know that feeling, but I want you to know that even Jesus underwent rejection. He knows all about it. Nobody's been more rejected than he has, and, uh, and for obviously no good reason, right? But uh, he's the cornerstone, and Jesus, or, or, or the, the church, rather, the church, which I pray that you're part of, because the church is made up of every single person who has repented of their sins and invited Jesus Christ into their heart and who's been born again and who's had their name written in the Lamb's book of life. And I pray that that's every one of us. Amen? If not, we can do that even now. You can call on the name of the Lord. Today is the day of salvation at this very moment as God moves upon your heart. And how do you realize this? That we don't come to God just anytime we want to. We can only come as God is drawing us. And it's God drawing us, wooing us, speaking, speaking to our heart, and we respond to Him. If God never drew us uh, to Himself, we never would have called on the name of the Lord. So never take for granted and never push away God's wooing, His moving upon your heart. Amen? But He moves upon us and we receive Him, we claim Him. and uh, So I pray that every one of us will be in that place to be with the Lord. So the church is referred to a lot of things, and one of the things is the church is referred to as the Bride of Christ. And how do you know that Jesus is coming so very soon, He's coming back for His Bride, the church. uh, In those days, it was the practice of the Jewish people that the the groom would go and prepare a place, prepare a house uh, for His soon-to-be Bride. And then once everything was ready... Then he would go and be married to her and, and would come to get her and, and they would go home to be with him. Jesus said, I'm going away, but I'm going to return. But right now I'm preparing a place for you, for us. We're the bride of Christ. And so Jesus is coming back. Amen. And all who know him and belong to him will be with him for forever. Say forever. Now how long's Forever forever. <laughs> this is a long time, amen. It's a long time, unending. So as we as we the Rock Church, we go about fulfilling our purpose, let us always keep in mind that we are building for forever. All right? We're building for forever. And, uh, and so that, that phrase, building for forever, is not only this year's theme, but it's the, it points us to what we're all about in and, uh, and the whole entire duration of our existence as the church. So look at your neighbor and say, building for forever. That's what we're doing, right? We're doing that together. And we, in other words, we, we do what we do. Why do we do it? We do what we do in light of eternity, for eternity's sake. Because God's plan is for you and I to be with Him, to exist with Him for forever, for eternity. Amen? How many of you would agree with me that sometimes we tend to get our focus off of eternity and we tend to center it on time? And uh, it seems to take up our focus this very moment i don't know if you realize it you do i'm sure but you just maybe we don't think about it but right now our earth is returning on its axis at about a 1000 miles an hour 1000 miles an hour right we're spinning doesn't feel like it but we're spinning about 1000 miles an hour and by that by by that uh, by that rotation we we're, we're measuring we're measuring Hours and days, right? And we're seeing the sun. We saw the sun rise up this morning. Maybe you did. I did. We saw the sun rise up, right? And we're going to see it begin to... It seems like it's moving, but it's not moving. We're, we're rotating, right? In a little while, it's going to go down. And we know all that's happening. At the same time that we're spinning at 1,000 miles an hour, the earth is also making its revolution around the sun, circling on its axis and making its revolution around the sun. And that's traveling at a, at a speed of about 67,000 miles per hour. Folks, we're people on the move. <laughs> whether, whether, you, whether you believe it or not, we're people on the move, right? And so it's, so it's, it's going, and all those times, the, the minutes, the hours, the days... By the, the revolution of the, of the earth around the sun, we're measuring months and, and years, and, and, it, and it goes by and it goes by quickly, right? And uh, the longer we live, the more we realize just how short life is. Anybody remember when? Do anybody remember being a, a kid with your maybe in a car with your mom and dad, and, and maybe you had to go visit some relative and they live like two hours away, and it was Forever <laughs> right And how uh, and now we look and, and a little bit later on life, and, and here we are, what? February 11th. We just, we just celebrated a new year, 2024. And here we are February 11th. I mean, has it not cruised or what? Has time picked up speed? No. It's still the same, right? <laughs> but maybe our perspective is a little bit different. But we just tend to be so focused on time. We typically think, what am I gonna do today? What I have planned for today. How many of you got plans for today? How many of y'all gonna come just hang out with the Super Bowl party here? Even though we don't care anything about Super Bowl. We just hang out, amen. Watch it. I don't care anything about seeing Taylor Swift. <laughs> My wife says, hey, Amen. You better not either, yeah. And uh, I'm pulling for the Chiefs, you know, that's what I, I know, yeah. You got 49er fans here? California folk? Well, there's room for salvation. (laughs) But anyway, well, we got plans, don't we? We think about today. What am I doing today? What am I, I've got planned for today. I mean, no, that's all well and good. But are our plans for today in alignment with eternity? Because if our plans for today are just for today, then what good are they unless there's some bigger picture? Because that is the big picture. That is the main thing, right? Eternity, the forever. When we speak about eternity, we're referring to our existence after we breathe our last breath on this world. Amen? Eternity. Are you you ready for it? I didn't hear any answers. Everybody ready for eternity? <laughs> not, I'm not asking you like if you want to step off into it today. You know, like somebody said, I said, "I'm ready to go and all, but not today." You know, not that he wasn't ready. I, I understand how many of y'all, we want to we want to live a little, right? And God made us to love life. He made us to enjoy life. We, we want to enjoy life. And man, when we're young, we just got it. I mean, the uh, you know the hourglass is full, typically. But how do you know? There's no guarantee for any one of us. But the hourglass looks full, and as we're youth, we feel just invincible. We can do anything. Amen? We can stop that train. We can do all kinds of stuff. And you get older, all of a sudden, you know, you, you tend to be more eternally focused because that hourglass is different, and naturally speaking, you feel like I might be a little bit closer to taking that step. But, folks, let me tell you, we need, if we're wise, we will live, no matter what our age, we'll always live with eternity in view. Because there is no promise for tomorrow. And no matter what age, how many know when Jesus comes back, He's going to come back for a world of people that represent every age. And so you and I need to be ready. Amen? Ready. So are you ready? I ask, are you ready? Are you sure? Have you ever felt totally sure of something, but... Found out you were wrong. <laughs> Come on, guys. I mean, how many of you guys you felt sure about where you were going, and you're driving, you're taking your family, whatever, and you're going somewhere, and and your like, your wife says, "Honey, I'm not sure that's the way." Oh, I say, "Yeah, it is. I, I know where I'm going." How many of you guys is confident you knew where you were going, but you didn't know where you're going, huh? <laughs> And God forbid that you stop over and ask for any directions. I know where I'm going. I know. Come on. You hey guys, come on. So now the the day of confession. Right? <laughs> right? We were so sure we knew where we were, but it wasn't. We're so sure that we pulled that that, that package out or that present out we're giving one of the kids and, and we don't need those instructions. How I many of you love the instruction? I don't need those instructions, right? And you get in there, I know where this goes. I'm a smart man. I got this. And I can put this together. I know where that goes and that fits and whatever. And everything's good until you get to this certain point And then you realize, you know what, that does go there. But that was supposed to go on there in step two instead of step 22. <laughs> and it's got to all be, come on, not, nobody else been there, right? I just feel so sure of things, certain sure we 're safe, but we 're wrong. sure it was all right. I tell you uh, this was uh I don't know a couple years ago and and uh, Lori and I were we took the side by side out it was at Chickasaw state Park I think and uh and 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 we were just driving some of the roads and and just going down these gravel roads every now and then there'd be a, a, a pathway off and we'd take it, and uh, we're driving along and and all of a sudden we get to this looks like a nice path there, you know, and, and so, so we go off, we go off of it and, and, and I don't go farther. It's like, it's like we're here about where this chair is, on a road and then side by side, and, and we pull over and we're, we're making this little circle, going over here about where Marvin and Jackie are, and all of a sudden the thing starts to turn a little bit, and then it starts going right back, right back to the road. It's just like a little little you thing. And I thought, well, what a disappointment that is. I was ready for some good trail. You don't know, get off the beaten path. And uh, and so as we turn around, we get we're not we're not fifty feet from the road, and there's a there's a mud puddle there. So what? I'm going through mud puddles all the time, right? And I go through there, and all of a sudden, I'm about five feet out in it, and it starts diving down and diving down ten, and I just gun it. I mean, that time I'm like I'm going, and right in the middle of it, I mean, I'm stuck. I mean, I'm, we're flat, stuck, mud flying, everything going. We're stuck. It's bottomed out. And I'm, I'm like from here to there to the road. Lori, am I telling the truth? I'm like from here to there to the road. How can you get stuck on a little path like that in a little mud hole? But I did. We called the guy. He comes and you know, we, we couldn't get out. I mean, there was no way out. Didn't have any winch on it. Couldn't get out, so managed to get the guy, Ranger, he came over there and he gave me all kinds of fits and everything. So you know I you know I could ticket you for doing this. Uh, well, you know, I, I said, listen, it looked like a plain path to me, you know. And he said, Well, we well, in fact, we knew we were in trouble when he said, uh, well, he said, we're at this place and whatever, it's like this mud. He said, Oh, the mud hole. <laughs> it was a trap. It was it was a you know, you heard of speed traps, this was a mud trap, you know. <laughs> And uh, he knew exactly where we were. He said, I'll be there in a little bit. So he came over there, and, and anyway. And what had happened just earlier that day, that some guy had tried to go across there in some sort of a, a, a Jeep, a Jeep uh, um, Wagoneer, and uh, got stuck, and I mean tore the thing all up. So it was all his ruts that were in there, and so I hit that not knowing it, the muddy water, I mean, we plummeted. So that's what it was all about. But I was sure. Ari, I was sure. I was certain, no question, we're going to go, it's this a little mud hole. I was wrong. I'm asking again, are you ready for eternity? Are you sure? It's one thing to get our directions wrong. You know, we can fix that. We might be a little bit humiliated. One thing to get the instructions wrong and putting something together, we can back up and, you know, take a little more time to put it together. It's one thing to be wrong and to be stuck in the mud. But, folks, we cannot afford to be wrong about eternity. Jesus Christ is the only way. He's the only hope. If there were any other way for you and I to be saved, Jesus would never have come. He wouldn't have had to come and die and go through everything he went through if there was some other way. But there is no other way. There is no other name under heaven given to men whereby we must be saved So, friend, if you want to try some other way, good luck for you. I put everything that I have, faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Amen? Can we give God a hand for that? Praise God. I, I pray that you have or will as well. Is your life built on the rock? Are you on solid ground? Are you... Are you sure? We just, we just, Lori. I just saw this. We watch this new show, and we saw this. I'm going to ask you, um, Kim, if you would just. I got a couple videos. I'm going to show you if you'll bear with me. <laughs> about you but I never I never would have questioned son I never would have questioned going out there and seeing seeing a neighbor at that house if they lived there oh man what a beautiful view what a beautiful home man God's blessed you right here on this place you know huh you wouldn't have thought anything about it, would you when We first saw a video I thought something was wrong with the, I thought something was wrong with the TV I thought you know because you know this whole piece of land I don't know how much maybe 20 acres in seconds it it's gone. But I would have been so sure, right? Folks, trying to get us to think about something that's ultimately important, that we think about forever, amen? You realize that at this very moment that you and I are walking on the edge of eternity? You you think, we're walking on the edge of eternity. I'll show you one more video. Just check this out. I'm sorry. This guy, he, he's just stupid. <laughs> now, some of you may, you may be like, I'd like to do that too. Well, you're stupid too. <laughs> That's just dumb. Hey, you believe? I mean, my, my heart's pounding over here. I'm not, I don't even know where that place is. <laughs> but our hearts ought to be pounding. Because we're walking on the edge of something far deeper than that. Did you realize it? We're walking on the edge of eternity. that's why there's no room to play around. And that's why our private spiritual disciplines are so important. And that's why our time together is so important. And that's why... The church meeting together is so important. And that's why the fellowship of the saints is so important. That's why we help each other and disciple one another is so important. That's why we invest in this world and we tell them about Jesus Christ while there's still hope. Because every one of us and every person you will see today is living on the edge of eternity. Are we ready for it? Amen. So, let us build for forever. How many of you agree with me that's the only way, wise way to live? This is the way of the people of faith. So, the rites pass around, saw the little grandbaby there. That little grandbaby is, is living on the edge of eternity. Baby's gonna come of age and is gonna need Jesus Christ to be prepared for forever. Amen? Come on, folks, that's what this is all about. Returning our focus. A lot of things that we think is important, things we gotta do today. Oh, today I gotta do this. Today I gotta go over here. Today we gotta do this. Today we gotta run to the store. Today we gotta buy that. Today we gotta purchase this. Today we gotta whatever, whatever, whatever. What about today in light of eternity? Comparing that, and are they in alignment, right? So help us, Lord. So we build forever. The heroes of faith faith kept their focus on the forever. And I want to share three different passages of Scripture with you. And uh, all them out of Hebrews chapter eleven. And if you follow along, you can you can read along with me. I'm reading from the the NIV, and uh, I'm going to read verses eight through ten to begin. Hebrews eleven eight through ten It's interesting that that um, that Donna Nevu referred to um, Hebrews thirteen this morning and talked about things that are not shaken, because we're talking about something that's sure, right? And how many of you know that, that uh, faith in Jesus Christ, we stand there that we're on the solid rock, the only sure foundation, amen? And, and everything around us can shake. It's sinking sand, but on Christ, we're going to stand. Amen? So let's, let's read, if you're there, Hebrews eleven eight 8 through 10. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. And even though he did not know where he was going, even though he did not know where he was going, By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger, say stranger, in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God." And we see some very critical things about the life of Abraham, the father of faith, right? About how he lived and the first thing we notice or one of the things we notice, there's some others and we'll get into that as, as we walk through this year. And as a church we, we emphasize the importance of building faith and building uh, families and building futures and building bridges, Okay. There's going to be other things involved here. But let me point out a couple things. And one thing is that he says that Abraham lived as a stranger here. Do people think you're strange? <laughs> and, 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 and not because you're strange, but because you, you live like Jesus strange. Amen? Do people Do people see you as different? They think you, of you as foreign. We all know when you see somebody come in and, and uh, they, they come they come from the north or they come from the west coast or they come wherever. And they come here, they begin to talk and do things and cook a certain way or act a certain way. We're like, you're not from around here, are you? you know, Right? And the same would be if we went there. And so we come to this world and the world has its way. It has its manner of doing things and how it cooks and how it lives and how it talks and all of those things. And it ought to look at us because we are not of this world. We are of the other world. They ought to look at us and say, Man, You're not from around here, are you? You're strange. You're different. You're foreign. Let me tell you, there is something wrong in me if I'm out in this world and they cannot tell a difference with the way that I talk and the way that I live and the way that I act and the way that I behave, amen, than, than, they, than they do if they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? There ought to be a difference. There were some people who have the, the Spirit of the living God in them and, the, and the, the power of the Holy Spirit alive in them versus those in the world that do not. And so Abraham lived as a stranger and so let me tell you right now, we're in this world, and whether we're young or whatever, and it's especially, it's, it's not only limited when we're young, I think we're, we're more vulnerable when we're young. All of us go through those stages where we want to be accepted. Um, we we, we want to know that we're, we're valued and that we fit in. Let me say, we can fit in to a point, right? But not to a point either. <laughs> okay? And so we've got to be willing to stand out and be different and and we're going to be talked about. Remember Brother Dave, he's talking about what was the names they had for Brother Dave as he went there because he wasn't like everybody else. Well, what they called Brother Dave as he went into the military. What was his names for him? Yeah, Preacher Boy. Dudley Do-Right. Dr. Doolittle. (laughs) And his name for them was Pervert Number 1, Pervert Number 2, Pervert Number 3. I just love that. Amen. And it was different. But how we you know that the other day made a difference and continues to make a difference? Why? Because he's different. Because God's living in him. And so is if he's living in you, there is a difference. And you're representing the kingdom of God here on earth. You are an alien here. I am an alien here. We are transients. Amen? We're different. Or transients, And that goes to the point where it says, the next thing is, is, it says, Abraham lived in tents. In other words, he didn't get too settled. Because God would take him from one place to another and was going to move him along to the promised land. Friend, be careful though, that you don't fall in love with what you're going to have to leave. And if you're driving yourself, if you're making, trying to make a permanent foundation in this world, you're making a mistake. And I'm not talking about our physical houses. Though what Abraham did was a live, illustrated message for us today that we are called to be tent dwellers. Amen? That we're ready. We're not holding this world too close. We're not holding these things to be of, of, of too much value because we're holding them loosely. Amen? Ready to let them go. Well, why would, why would Abraham do this? Because his heart was set on what was forever, it was set on the eternal. Remember, it says here he was looking for the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Even Abraham in that day saw ahead through God's revelation. He saw ahead that one day there would be a new Jerusalem coming down from heaven, the city of God, with permanent foundations that would last for forever. And that's what guided him. That's what led him. That's what his focus. That's where his focus remained. Amen? Now look at another scripture here, Hebrews eleven thirteen 13 and 16, dealing with the early... Patriarchs. It says all these people. It's talking about it's talking about Abraham and the early patriarchs and matriarchs here. Um, it just mentioned Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in former verses, and it also mentioned Sarah. It said all of these were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were again. Foreigners and strangers on this earth. Amen? It's not just something that one generation deals with. It's something that we all deal with. And sometimes uh, there can be a real danger when all of a sudden, uh, you know, we're really relying on God in the beginning and movements relying on God in the beginning. And then all of a sudden, God begins to give us favor. And we begin to get bigger and we become more influential into in a community, in a society. And becomes accepted and all of a sudden maybe not to offend. How many of you know that Jesus didn't come, he, he came to, to bring division? Because people have to make a choice. We get comfortable and we begin to water things down and don't want to say anything that might seem offensive to somebody and all of a sudden we've uh, arrived and, and we're accepted in society that's what happened to the early church somebody said that the church was stronger and more impacting when they were being fed to lions in the Colosseum than when they were accepted as by culture in the days of Constantine when it became legal to be Christian then all of a sudden they let their, they let their guard down God's still calling us to live in his ways amen all of them, they lived as foreigners, as strangers. And it says, and they refused to return to that place that God called them out of. They refused to. God, you remember, where did, where did God call Abraham from? Where was he from? Ur of the Chaldees. That is way down over there off of the, off of the gulf. All right, the, the Persian gulf somewhere out in that area, land of Ur. God called them out, called them westward, called them to the place where they now are and in dwelling in, in a land of, of Israel. And so God called them out and, and never never to go back. You ever notice this? Always, the enemy is always trying to tempt us to go back. And when we find God, God does something wonderful for us. He delivers us and the enemy will try to tempt us to go back. Lot's wife turned into a pillar of salt because she looked back right the israelites when they were delivered out of egypt and, and god was bringing them into the promised land right some of them didn't make it because they kept looking back they kept saying oh we had this over there you know we had it better over there and think of you're in bondage no value the temptation to go back it was something that was so guarded against among the patriarchs that even Abraham, when he, when Isaac, uh, Abraham was getting older and, and Isaac was not yet married and Abraham was concerned about it. This is an important part of Isaac's life. And so Abraham calls one of his servants and tells him, so, I want you to go to, uh, back to a certain place and I want you to get a wife there for my son Isaac. And uh, he agrees to that and he says, but what if I'm unsuccessful? What if I'm not uh, able uh, to find a, a wife there? Do you want me to take Isaac back. He said, by no means, don't ever take him back. It'd be better for him to live wifeless than faithless. And he didn't do it. Don't ever give in to that thought or temptation about going back. Amen? I'm talking about people of faith. Now, why did they do this? It says because they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. They kept forever in their sights. I want to share one more with you. And if you will look with me now to verses 24 and 26 of Hebrews. 24 and 26 of Hebrews, it says by faith. Say by faith. Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose. It was his decision. Nobody made him do it. He was grown now. He was at the age of accountability and able to make his own decisions, choose his own way. Right? He chose. Your choices matter. And nobody can do it but you. Mom and dad can't do it. A brother can't do it. A wife can't do it. A husband can't do it. A friend can't do it. A pastor can't do it. An uncle can't do it. Nobody can do it but you. And so Moses chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Because he was looking ahead to his reward. So Moses here refused to identify even with the elite of the world. He was, he was not overly attracted to what they had to offer. Come on, how do you all know that you rub shoulders with the right people and you might gain some privilege? If you have this place and you find yourself in favor with, with people of means or status or whatever, and I don't know what it is about a society trying to, trying to find, you know, climb some ladder and be there to be a part of some elite thing of people that <laughs> many times don't care about you at all, many times. All right? And what even the best of what would be offered in that arena is nothing more than something that's temporal. Listen. I don't know what it's like to have grown up in the halls of Egypt, to have everything at your disposal. I mean, loaded. The most powerful nation in the world at that time. Pharaoh was the ruler. He is literally seen as a god. And you're related to him. You ask for it. You get it. You talk about Christmas time at his house. talk about spoiling them. I mean, you know, whatever. It's all, it's all there. And it's all tied to Moses's identity with Pharaoh's daughter. But Moses, when he grew of age, put that all aside and said, No, I'm not going to identify with Pharaoh's daughter. That's not who I am, that's not where I belong. I'm going to choose to identify with my real person, with who God made me to be, with the people of God, with the people of Israel. And he chose them even though they were at that point in the midst of the most severe sufferings. And and Moses said, I'm going to choose this over that. That just seems kind of stupid. Again, really. In the natural, is that dumb? In the natural? Why would you why would you choose poverty over riches in the natural? I don't know what it's like to be a millionaire. Somebody said, you know, there's temptations come with that. And I said, well, I don't know what it's like, but I'd sure like to try, you know. Something in the natural is appealing to that. Right? But he put it aside. And he said, I'm gonna identify. I'm going to identify with God and God's people. Who are you choosing to identify with? And why? You see, Moses saw things differently. He said mistreatment with God's people meant more than sin's pleasures. I mean, no, sin's fun. It is. (laughs) It is. wouldn't be any appeal. If it wasn't fun, sin's fun, but it has a cost. And all of a sudden, you begin to pay the price, and you realize, you know what? This ain't worth it, right? It's it's fun. It's fun for a season. You know, somebody said, generally speaking, you know, um, bad things happen fast, but good things happen slow. (laughs) There's a lot of truth in that, Right? Have you ever made a decision on the spur of the moment, bad decision? It was it really cost you. But you stay the you stay the course and the course of discipline and restraint and abstinence and you see the how it pays off, and there's so much greater at the end of it. Just just a thought. Right? So Moses saw things differently, and he saw humiliation for identifying with Christ. That it was more valuable than the riches of Egypt. You see, we have a different perspective today, but put yourself there. Israel is in bondage. Egypt's this great power, this great nation. They're in rule, they're ruling, they're in charge, they've got it all. God's people have practically nothing. They have no control over their life. Everybody's telling them what to do, when to get up, when to, when to go to bed, when they can take a day off or if they can't, right? How you got to produce. And they're going through this over and over and over again and there's no hope for any change. And while, all the while, Egypt's enjoying all of that. Now that's the reality. Until you see things from a bigger perspective. And folks, if we only look at today in time, we're only going to see it that way. Egypt and Israel, the difference. But when we look at it through the eyes of eternity and we see things through God's eyes, we know where the real rewards and riches lie. Amen? And our temporary troubles will not compare to the eternal riches and the eternal glory. Right? So why, why again, why did Moses do this? Why did he think this way? Why did he do it? Because he was looking ahead to his reward, his heavenly reward, that forever reward that would never end. We don't like. We don't often think about this. We just think. How many of you just think that? Hey, I'm just glad God loves me enough that despite my sins and failures, that God's willing to forgive me and allow me into heaven. How many of you just glad for that? That's all I need. I don't care about streets of gold. It can be dirt. I'm fine with it. Amen? I'm good to be there. But how do we know that even along with heaven that there's going to be rewards? We will be rewarded according to our works. There will be rewards there. Right? And Moses was looking ahead to the reward. Church, we're building for forever. Amen? Because there's something more than time, there is eternity. Forever, for eternity. Are you ready for it? Are you sure?